Well, on Wednesday nights, we're looking at Galatians. And uh, Galatians is such a powerful book that I keep being drawn back to it to, to preach from it as well. And so, Jeremy, on this last Wednesday night, talked to us about this issue of who has authority over Paul. And I, I decided to go back to the very first part of Galatians and think about that for our sermon this morning, too. So, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Galatians chapter 1. I printed it there, the first 12 verses anyway, for you on the study sheet. And I just want to take a look at what Paul is saying and why he's so adamant in what he's saying in this section. Paul says, Paul, an apostle, and he kind of makes a break right there, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the members of God's family who are with me to the churches in Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age according to the will of God the Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, that right there is a little unusual because Paul adds something to his normal greeting. He says, by the way, when I said I'm an apostle, I mean I'm not sent by any human being. I'm sent by God, by Jesus Christ. And there's something else that's unusual. It's what happens after uh, the greeting. When he says amen, usually Paul will then say, now these are the things I'm thankful for about this church that I'm writing to. I'm grateful to God for you Philippians, you know, because you're standing up. I'm grateful for you Thessalonians because of the way you face persecution and people are hearing about you all over the world. I'm grateful uh, even for you Corinthians because, you know, well, can't think of anything I'm grateful for about you, but God is being really gracious to you, and that's, that's pretty good. I mean, Paul always tries to... He can't even do that in this letter. He cannot even do that in this letter. He just launches because he's so upset. Bad things are happening in the Galatian church. He said, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another gospel. There's some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. As we've said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let that one be accursed. Now am I seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I'm still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed to me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay. You do not have to be fluent in Greek. You do not have to be a biblical scholar to understand that Paul's upset in this part of Galatians. 
And you can get a clue as to what he's upset about. He came in as a missionary. These churches had never been, these, these areas had never been reached with the gospel. He, was, he and Barnabas were the first people to land in these churches. And he preaches the gospel, and really, just, I think, within a few weeks after he leaves, other teachers come in and say, let us explain to you what Paul didn't explain. And part of the reason they did that is because they had a story to tell in which Paul was kind of three rungs down on the authority ladder in Christianity. Christianity was really a young religion, uh, maybe 18 years old at this point, and yet they already kind of had in their minds this, this sort of authority. So where, does, where does Christianity start? It starts, Jesus Christ calls his apostles. And they live with him, and they see him, and they do all these things. And, and through his apostles, he starts the church in Jerusalem, Acts 2. Was Paul there when Jesus called his apostles, and they, they went around with him? No, Paul wasn't there. Was Paul there when the apostles, through the Spirit of Jesus Christ, helped get the church started in Jerusalem? No, Paul wasn't there. In fact, Paul was an enemy of the church in Jerusalem. When did Paul ever get involved? Well, eventually a church gets started in Antioch, and the Jerusalem church commissions one of their own members, Barnabas, to go and help with that church in Antioch. And Barnabas is the one who goes and recruits Paul. So how does the authority flow? The apostles to the Jerusalem church, the Jerusalem church to Barnabas, Barnabas to Paul. And these folks that were coming in saying, we've come, we just came from Jerusalem. So we're going to tell you how it really is. And unfortunately, the message they were sending was, in order to be a good Christian, even if you're a total Gentile and never been part of the Jewish nation, the Jewish covenant, to be a good Christian, you first got to be a good Jew. So Paul has to absolutely deny that structure, and he can do it because the facts are on his side. He says, yeah, I understand. I wasn't there when Jesus called the original apostles. And I wasn't there when the Jerusalem church was founded. But don't misunderstand what happened. Jesus Christ made a special trip to directly call me and put me on this path. That's what he says, and he's going to tell that story later. It's very dramatic. This is one of the uh, places in the letters of Paul where we get the, the most lengthy telling of his own experience with Jesus Christ, his own conversion experience. It's what's coming up after this section. So Paul says, don't misunderstand. I am not under anybody's authority except Jesus Christ and him alone. And that's really why he makes such a big emphasis on this. I'm an apostle not sent by humans. There were, the word apostle kind of has multiple meanings in the New Testament. It can mean a missionary. There were missionaries sent out by churches. He says, I'm not an apostle sent by a church. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, sent by Jesus Christ. And he reiterates it there at the very end. This is revealed to me, this gospel that I've been preaching to you, this is revealed to me directly from God.
So that's the point Paul makes. Paul insists that the gospel that has saved us is not from human beings, but from God. Why is this so important? Why is Paul, metaphorically at least, pounding the pulpit when he, when he makes this point to the Galatian church? What difference does it make, Paul? How many of you can multitask? How many of you can multitask? I'm, I'm tempted to have a show of hands. Can you multitask? I'm going to take my hand down because I cannot multitask. I tell myself I can multitask, but the fact is, every time I multitask, every task is bad is done badly. I am not good at that. Uh, it turns out that the Holy Spirit really can multitask. And the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write this, and it solves Paul's problem. He's making a point, and the facts are on his side. He says, don't you remember? This is how I was converted. Jesus made a special trip in order to pluck me out of the mess I was making of my life and set me on this path I'm on and reveal to me what it was I needed to teach, this gospel that I'm teaching. The facts are on his side, and... Galatians helps him to make that case so that he can correct the false teaching that's going on. The Holy Spirit accomplishes that. But the Holy Spirit can multitask. Actually, by establishing those facts, Paul also establishes some other important principles that flower and grow uh, in Christianity and matter to us today as well. Paul says the gospel itself needs to always be understood as not the product of human beings. In the 21st century church, it is really quite important that you remember and you stand up for the truth that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not the product of human beings. We did not make this up. This came to us from God, from Jesus Christ. And that matters for a number of reasons. Because this gospel, the gospel that has saved you and me, because this gospel is not from humans but from God, every Christian has a direct link to God. Paul says, don't put me in an authority structure. It's not, you know, the apostles, the Jerusalem church, Barnabas, and then me. No, it's God and me. But in fact, if you read Paul carefully, he's actually saying that about you too. It's God and you. It's God and you. Yep. Even you. Thinking about sleeping, aren't you back there? But nope. It's God and you. Right now. That is actually one of the key features of Christianity. Again and again and again, Christians have been tempted to mess that up, to reinvent priesthoods and intermediary, human intermediaries and everything. 
But one of the key features actually gets articulated here by the Holy Spirit, meets the local purpose that Paul has, but it meets this global purpose too. You have a direct link. If you're a Christian, then it's because God has made a connection directly to you. You have a direct link to God. And it's not just a one-time link. Yeah, there was that one time when I felt really close to God and I got baptized. This is an ongoing link. That's the power of the Gospel. The Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit is given to you. And that's, I hope one day we can have a study about that uh, in depth from this pulpit. But, but the gift of the Holy Spirit is manifested, I think, in many different ways. But crucially, of course, it's manifested in this Word. This is not just of human origin either. This is the sword of the Spirit. And, and this is a direct link to God. When you pick this up, you're not picking up paper and ink, people. You're picking up your link to God. Right here. You know, I know people, I've been asked this question, I've wondered this myself. You know, I, I just wish God would give me some guidance. I remember one time I was actually sitting at a desk across from somebody. I just, I, just, I wish, and, and literally a Bible was two foot away from the person who said, I just wish there was some place I could go to get guidance. From God. Isn't it an amazing blessing that God heard that prayer 2,000 years before it was uttered and said, there you go. There's the place to go. Every You do not have to have me to intercede for you to get to God. You don't have to have Gary Dilworth, he's a wonderful man. He can intercede for you. He's a good person to have in your corner praying for you. But you don't have to have him. You don't have to have Ryan Newell. You don't have to have Larry Jarrett. You don't have any of our elders. You've got your own direct link to God right here. And that's actually a fundamental and crucial Christian principle. Because... This is not something human beings made up. It's not subject to human hierarchies, human governments, human structures. You, God has made a special trip from heaven to get you. Faith comes from the Word of God. From hearing the Word of God. God has done something in you. If you're a believer, it's because God has done some things in your life. And you have a direct link to Him. Second principle I think that this lays down. Because this Gospel is not from humans, but from God, every Christian can be sure how to please God. Every Christian can be sure how to please God. What a sad situation we'd be in if, if we had to figure it out on our own. How to please God. 
I wonder what God wants me to do. Now, there are people who say, I, I, I wish I could please God. I'd like to please God. And, and, and that's not always sincere. You have to take that with a grain of salt. Mo, a lot of people say that they'd like to believe in God. They'd like to follow God. And, and they'd like to find God and follow God the same way a robber would like to find a policeman. There is something in the human heart that wants to run away from God. But if you really do want to find God, if you really do want to get close to God, and you guys, the fact that you're here means you do, at least partly. If you want to get close to God, there is a way to do it. Jesus Christ has made a path for you to get back to God, to draw close to God. You can find out and you can grow in your ability to be pleasing to God. Now, I'll tell you what, probably if I had designed the Bible, it would be a lot more like Wikipedia. You know, it would be, okay, what, what's the correct answer on this question? And I'd be able to just pull that up. And instead, the Bible just has a lot of stories. And I'm supposed to think hard about the stories and figure out what the lesson is and, and, and make a little stumbling progress. And then later I go back to the same story and go, oh, I thought it meant this, but I see now it kind of means this. And yeah, okay, God did it His way. And I'm pretty sure when we get to heaven, we'll go, oh yeah, that was really smart. I, I get it. The Bible's not... Uh, absolutely transparent to us all at once. I think it's because God knows we have to be brought along step by step. But I will tell you this. Wherever you are on your spiritual pilgrimage, wherever you are on your walk, whether you're just starting out and you've got lots of your life that is yet to be sanctified, if you know what I mean, Lots of elements of your life that have still kind of very attached to the world. Or whether you have been a Christian for years and years and years and years and you've progressed very deeply into the love of God and the, and the love of neighbor and all of the other truths of the gospel. The gospel is set up so that you can be brought along. And right now, if you will dig into the Word of God, if you will dig into the message of God, then there will be something there that will help you take the next step. I'm here to just testify to that as somebody who's been in the Word for a long time, that again and again and again, at every stage of my spiritual development, when I'm feeling in love with God, when I'm feeling rebellious against God, again and again and again, the message, when I go back to the message of Jesus Christ, I find something that helps me move in the right direction. I wish I could tell you every time I always moved the direction that the message told me to. That, that wouldn't be true. But the message is constantly pulling me to grow where God wants me to go. And it will do that for you too. We don't have to make this up on our own. We have... God pulling us in the direction He wants us to grow and to go. 
And the final point, and this one is one of the most important ones to me. Because the gospel is not from humans, but from God, every Christian is drawn towards every other Christian. Because the gospel is not from humans, but from God, every Christian is drawn towards every other Christians. In fact, this is one of the places where the Holy Spirit's purposes uh, almost perfectly overlap, because that was very close to Paul's message, uh, his original message as well. But it becomes an ongoing principle for the church. Why is Paul so upset that a new gospel is coming in? I think he sees the Holy Spirit showing him what even the false teachers aren't yet quite realizing is that if they succeed in telling people, oh no, Christianity requires that you become a good Jew before you become a Christian, it's actually going to generate a division. People who are keeping the law of Moses are going to automatically stop fellowshipping with people who aren't keeping the law of Moses. And you will have a de facto split in the church right in the first century. Paul sees that. The Holy Spirit's helping him see that. And he says, this is not the gospel. There's not good news in that. The good news is that after centuries of divisions between Jews and Gentiles, Jesus Christ has found a way to make the two one. He's found a way to bring them. That's the good news. That the people of God actually can now include all those who have faith in Jesus Christ. That's good news. Well, Paul sees that, and that's still the truth. That is the truth for you and me. It is, I'm sure... One of the things that makes God weep. That all around the world there are people who call on the name of Jesus Christ. And yet we are separate. It's one of the things that hurts my conscience. I know it hurts yours. That we have not found a way to be united. Because Jesus wanted us to be united. He prayed that. Go over and read His prayer in John 17. If you want your heart to be broken a little bit. Jesus is getting ready to sacrifice Himself in John 17 for the sins of the world. And, and He's praying for several things. And one of the things He says is, I just, I just wish the people who believe in Me could be one. That's what I'm praying for, God. That could be one. Now, we haven't done that. I understand most of the problems that separate different groups of people who call on the name of Jesus are long-standing and deep, and, and there are real issues there that are difficult to unravel, but, but it just hurts that we are not one. Because the truth of the Gospel is that God wants us all to be back together. And the gospel has that pull, I think. I think when you run into anybody else in the world, no matter what group they belong to, no matter how they were raised, when you run into, and, and what their life experience is, when you run into anybody else in the world 
that claims the name of Jesus Christ, you automatically feel drawn to them and wish you could be in fellowship with them. I think that's just built in to being a part of this gospel message. And, and so it's not a question of, well, why don't you come and do it the way we do it? Or, well, why don't we come and do it the way they do it? It's not a question if, it was, if, if this gospel was just a human thing. I guess that would be it. Let's just, uh, I don't know, vote or flip a coin or do something else the way humans decide things and just decide, well, we'll do it that way or that way. If it was just a human thing, I guess that's what we would do. But because it's a God thing, because this gospel came to us not by humans but by God, then every one of us is drawn to each other as we get closer to the gospel we get closer to each other. And that's my hope. I know the divisions are awful, but that's my hope is if, if everybody in the world will draw closer to the Gospel, then we'll all draw closer to each other. And that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. That's what I want Wilshire to do. That's what I want all churches everywhere to do. I think it's crucial. You know, the Bible kind of has this history of having the power to restore. Having the power to pull people back in God's direction. Not just individuals, but groups. All the way back before the Babylonian captivity, King Josiah, they just... They find the Bible. They didn't have it. They, they had lost it. They'd lost touch with it. And they find it and they read it. And they, Josiah tears his clothes and he demands that all the people gather and he reads it in public, has it read to all the people and says, we're going to start doing the things that the Word of God says we should do. It's a restoration. We've got to restore, bring back what we've been neglecting. After the Babylonian captivity, Ezra comes specifically with the Word of God, with the Scriptures, to say, we've got to begin to do the things that these Scriptures tell us to do. I think that's inspiring. And in the history of Christianity, one of the things that gives me hope is that although the world tends to slide away and compromise and erode away, Again and again and again, you see these restoration and revival movements happening. And, you know, sometimes they're partial. Sometimes they only accomplish one or two things, and we wish they could do more. But, but they do something, and it's, it's so important when we see that happening. I, uh, I think about the Protestant Reformation, you know, breaking so many abuses and fixing so many problems. I wish they had gone farther, but, but they did some amazing things. And I, I think about the John Wesley's movement, you know, getting the... He actually managed to get Christianity out of the Anglican church buildings for a while and preaching, you know, to poor people. And, and, and that was good. I actually think that because of the convictions of Scripture that pulled him in order to make those moves and, and started a movement in that direction. And out of that movement, people read their Scriptures deeply and said, you know, slavery needs to go. We cannot continue to live in a society that allows slavery. And that was 
like a like an avalanche starting. It started small among small Christian Bible study groups, really, and it just grew and grew and grew and grew until it became an irresistible force to wipe at least chattel slavery off the face of the earth. Restoration movements are powerful. I think, of course, of Alexander Campbell and Barton W. Stone. They went against really their entire culture because they could stand up and say, yeah, but it's the Bible. It's the message. It's the Word of God. We're going to go back and do these things that are written in Scripture. We don't need a hierarchy. We're just going to have local congregation. We're going to do these things that are written in Scripture. Scripture has the power to pull people together. And it happened again and again and again. People said, you know, some of these things really are just traditions. We're going to give those up and come together and unite. Alexander Campbell and Barton W. Stone, they would be the first to admit they didn't get everything right either. That restoration, that pull is not towards human beings. It's towards the message. And right now today, the message is pulling us towards each other in this congregation and pulling all congregations towards each other around the world. Let that be our prayer, and let that be our mission. Because people, what, what saved us, what changed us, is not from humans. It's from God. God has been active in our lives. That's why we're here today. That's why we are what we are. And that's why we have a future. If you need to respond to God's great invitation to be a part of His marching army to accomplish His goals in this world and to move into the next world, if you want to be part of that future, if you want to be part of that mission, and you've never taken the step of becoming a Christian, of repenting of your sins, confessing Jesus Christ, and out of faith being baptized to wash away your sins. If you're ready to take that step, then we want you to come forward and, and take that step in just a minute. Or, or if you need prayers in a public way and you want to come forward and tell us your need, then in just a minute you have an opportunity to do that. Maybe you just want to talk privately. Come see me. Come see Jeremy. Come see the elders so that we can talk to you. Uh, whatever it is you need to do to make yourself right and to get yourself in the right direction, please, 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 let today be the day that that change begins.